Welcome to Scanner School, where we teach you everything that you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. This is session number 65, and today we're talking about the Uniden DMA programming, or the Dynamic Memory Architecture. But like always, this podcast is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. And East Coast Pagers, again, in full disclosure, is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the U.S. market. East Coast Pagers sells numeric and alphanumeric paging products, as well as today's most advanced voice pagers used by many fire departments. So when you purchase a Unication or Swiss phone voice pager, shipping is always included. Swiss phone pagers and the Unication G2, G3, G4, and G5 will all ship with spare belt clips. Unication G1 pagers will ship with spare clips, as well as a spare set of Tenergy AAA batteries. The complimentary programming of your department's dispatch and fire ground are also included. Now, you can contact East Coast Pagers for a custom quote for your department or your individual needs. Again, that's eastcoastpagers.com. All links and session notes can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 65. Welcome to the Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. So Uniden DMA, or Dynamic Memory Architecture, can be a bit of a problem for someone who has never worked with one of these scanners before. But by the time we are done with this podcast, you will be an expert at DMA programming and will hopefully be able to tackle your next programming job with confidence and ease. So in order to help you with the programming, I've set up a flowchart that you can download at scannerschool.com slash session 65. And this flowchart will help you navigate the little confusing world of DMA programming. So let's talk about Unidin's programming. And we'll go back back in time quite a bit. We're going to talk about you know Unidin's first synthesized models that allowed you to program a set of memories via the keypad. Now, this was typically the setup where you had a certain number of banks and a set number of memory channels within those banks. So, for example, maybe you had 10 banks of 10 memory channels that would give you 100 memories that you can store in the scanner. Things would be laid out differently depending on what type of scanner you had, but maybe you had 10 banks of 30 for a 300-channel scanner or 10 banks of 5 for a 500-channel scanner like the, you know, the BC780XLT. Or maybe you had 10 banks of a thousand, I'm sorry, 10 banks of a hundred channels to give you a thousand channels uh, total, uh, such as like the uh, the 785D, the 96, I'm sorry, the 796, or you could have something screwy like five banks of 50. Yeah, that happens too when it looks at the BCT8 head scratcher. But anyway. So before the days of trunking, this was pretty simple. Like on my 200 XLT, you would just punch in the numbers of the frequency and just save it and move on, right? Even today's basic scanners like the 72 XLT or the BC, was it 72 XLT? Uh, I know it's the uh, 125AT or 126AT, depending on what part of the world you live in. Uh, Again, those radios still are set up that way, right? You just have memory channel one, bank one, boom. You just keep programming in and you, you step through it. But this form of memory management really isn't the most efficient way of managing the memory. And I'm going to tell you why here. 
So say you're programming up a local hot list, a frequency you want to listen to. Maybe you want to keep monitoring after hours. Maybe when you don't want to listen to, you know, the world's exploding, those, those kinds of things. You just want a, a hot list of what is going on in your neck of the woods. Maybe it's a compromised bank that your wife allows you to keep the scanner on in a certain area of the house. Now, again, we talked about if you want to listen to a really cringeworthy episode, we did a <laughs> I did an interview with my wife. We talked about, you know, uh, having scanners in certain rooms of the house and, and, and what was considered acceptable and what. But you can go back and listen to Session 60. That was just a few weeks ago. Again, scanschool.com slash Session 60 to hear what my wife's take is on listening to the scanner in certain rooms of the house and, and that kind of thing. And maybe you can relate to that as well. But going back to the topic at hand here. So you have a hot list. And like I have a hot list set up where it could just be you know my local fire department and my neighboring fire department and maybe where my parents live and you know that's that's really about it you know sometimes i just leave it right on my local department and sometimes i have it scanning maybe eight frequencies but if i had a scanner that had 100 channels per bank well all of a sudden now i've got like 92 memory channels that are left empty because i don't want any other thing going on in that memory bank i just want my local hot list that's really inefficient now instead of having a thousand memory channels at my disposal Right, I only have nine hundred and eight. Big difference than what's written on the side of the box. So you can see kind of now where DMA had to really come into play because it allowed you more to allocate memory where it was needed the most. And if you didn't use the memory, you didn't lose it. You could use it someplace else. So now let's flip this around a little bit. Say your local county or parish again i i, I talk counties because that's where i live i understand too like in other places you can call them parishes or or townships or those kinds of things so let's just say that you have a lot of frequencies in your local county parish township whatever you want to call it you may need to stack two banks maybe three banks together to get everything that that you need in that you know in that area to scan together like where I live in my county, in Nassau County, New York, my fire department scan list is upwards of 300 channels because we have every department wants to have their own fire ground and their own dispatch and their own tactical and their own secondary. And, you know, so you just end up putting them, you put them all in a scanner because that's just what you do, right? So again, now you're losing three banks just because you needed to daisy chain a few of them together. So now instead of having only 10 banks in the scanner, you have three. And maybe you also have some channels in there that you can't use because you didn't have 300 channels. You had 290 or maybe you had 320. Who knows? Now, if that wasn't bad enough, banks with hard-coded memories are also an issue when it comes to trunking because you can only have a single trunk system set up per bank or at least as to where you're supposed to have it set up. And you definitely, definitely can't mix multiple trunking technologies in a single bank. You can't have Motorola Type 2 and Motorola Type 1, if that's even in existence these days. Or you can't have Motorola Type 2 with EDAX, and you can't do EDAX with LTR. This is a whole big problem. And where I'm from, yes, we have multiple trunk systems in the same area that have this same type of agency on it. So again... The old ways are a bit, they don't work these days. They they just, they've met their lifespan. 
and DMA, at least when it comes to unit. And again, we're not talking the Home Patrol database. It's the same. It's the same, but it's different. Uh, and we won't really touch on that in this time around. Well, I think we'll save that for an entirely separate, dedicated episode. But um, it's it's just time to think about memory management a different way. Now, going back when the BC 246T came out, so this has got to be 10 years now, maybe. I mean, I didn't double check when, when the 246 came out, but I know it was a while back. And I, I have a 330BR, which is, again, one of the earlier ones. And I think the first 15 might have been the same way. But anyway, these are the first generation DMA scanners, and they were a great way to get into it. Now, again, the difference between the first generation and the second generation, you're not going to really see first and second generation written anywhere. It's just basically that they, you know, you didn't realize that they needed to have more flexibility when it came to DMA because a lot of trunk systems had multiple sites. So the second generation, I like to call second generation, allows you to stack multiple sites when it comes to programming. And again, I'm getting out of order for my notes here, but I just want to touch on that now because I'm thinking about it. So again, before we get really, really confused here, you can find an easy flow chart and more resources by going to scannerschool.com slash session 65. So again, DMA is a great way to manage the memory in your scanner. So from now on, if you need a bank with only one or maybe a few hundred frequencies or talk groups, you can set it up that way and you do not waste any M3 memory channels. So your banks can be as small or as large, basically, as you need them. So how do we break down DMA so that we can use it? So again, it's a little bit different when it comes to conventional or it comes to trunking. And we're going to talk about those completely separate, and we'll put a pretty bow on it at the end. And again, what is nice about DMA too? You can mix conventional and trunking or multiple different kinds of trunking when it into a single bank. Now for future references to here also, we don't have any more banks. They're all called scan lists, all right? Banks are gone when it comes to DMA. People kind of use them interchangeably because it's easy to remember what a bank is, but from now on, a bank is a scan list. And you're going to find out why we call them scan lists when we tie this up again at the end anyway. So conventional. In order to start setting up a conventional system, you first need to set up a system. That's the first step. That's the first thing the scanner is going to ask you to do. What kind of system is this? Now, again, if you're programming by hand, you'll need to cycle through the memory. And depending on what radio you have, your choice is going to be Motorola, uh, trunking, conventional, LTR, EDEX, DMR, NXDN, P25, and maybe even a list will go on if you're listening to this five years down the road and you didn't happen to add something else in the scanner. I don't know. If you're doing this via software, again, you're going to push the new system button. You're going to select conventional. So again, it doesn't matter if you're doing this via hardware, uh, software rather, or on the keypad. So for conventional, we're going to select the conventional system. And then we need to define one group, at least one group to get started, because where we put our frequencies are into groups. So again, we have a system, groups, and then inside those groups, we have all of our frequencies. Here's an example. I'm going to build a new system, and I'm going to call it NYPD. It's going to be a conventional system. In the first group, I'm going to define as a citywide group. All of the frequencies 
inside of the citywide group will be for all the main dispatches that cover all of the boroughs of New York City. So citywide one through citywide four, SOD, traffic, command, etc. If it's going to be used for the entire county, I'm sorry, the entire city, it's going to be in the citywide group. Then I'm going to create a group for each of the five boroughs in New York City. So we have Manhattan, we've got Bronx, we've got Queens, we've got Brooklyn, also known as Kings County, and we have Staten Island, which goes by Richmond County as well. Inside each one of these borough groups, I'm going to program in the precincts that will cover each borough. So only the precincts that cover Manhattan, I will program into the Manhattan group. Only the precincts that cover Brooklyn will be in the Brooklyn group, Queens, the Queens group, etc., etc. I'm also going to create a group for the tactical channel. So TAC A through, I guess it goes to J. Uh, we'll have one for transit. We'll have one for schools. We'll have one for parking enforcements. So now to sum it up, I've created a conventional system I've called NYPD with nine subgroups. And each one of these groups will have the frequencies that operate within that group. Now, yes, I could have just created a group called NYPD and put everything NYPD in that group. That's perfectly acceptable. But I like to get a little bit more granular when it comes to it, especially when it comes to tweaking how the scanner is going to start scanning. Because now, instead of just locking out the scan list, you can also lock and unlock the groups. So we'll talk about that again in one second. So let's talk about it this way. We have a county, a township, or a parish. Under that county, we maybe we'll have some villages and towns. Those villages and towns may be the groups within the county. So we can now simplify our program just by saying this frequency is fire, this frequency is DPW, this frequency is for emergency services, this frequency is for police. Instead of tagging them as town plus fire, town plus police, town plus this, because we only have 16, channel, uh, 16 uh, characters to use in our designation for the alpha tag. So when your scanner then shows your system, it'll also flip-flop back and forth with the group name. And then underneath it, you'll see the alpha tag for what the frequency is. So for example, we'll have county, village on the top row, constantly alternating, county, village, county, village, because that's our system group, system group. And then below, we'll have the alpha tag for the frequency, so fire. So it can say Nassau County, fire, Massapequa. Suffolk County, Police, 2nd Precinct. This way, it makes things a lot easier to alpha tag. Makes things easier to see or, or break down when it comes to the scanner. So where I live, I like to monitor my local fire battalion. We're battalion 6 where I live. But 8 blocks to the north of me is the beginning of battalion 9. I also like to monitor the countywide dispatch frequencies. So I have a conventional system in my scanner called Nassau County Fire, because that's where I live. Each battalion is defined as a group. Battalion 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and countywide. I've programmed in all the frequencies per battalion, but now I can lock out battalions 1 through 5 and 7 and 8. I can lock out those groups in that scan list or inside of that system. 
So now when I'm scanning my fire bank, I'm only scanning six, battalion six, battalion nine, and countywide. If I hear something big go out over countywide, or I hear a mutual aid on my battalion frequency that's going to the battalion, I can then unlock, say, battalion five, battalion whatever, next to me, if I have to. Because that's how my scan lists and groups are set up. So the trick to remember here is I have a system. You add that system, it's a system scan list, not a bank anymore, but it's the same same thing. We'll circle back on this again. I think I've pretty much laid this out. A system, a scan list, a scan list is the same as a bank, but it's not the same anymore. You can have a quick key for a scan list right? Same as what your banks would work, but you can also have your groups subdivided on their own uh, sub scan list within the bank. So now let's talk about trunking. Trunking is the same but different when it comes to setting up your DMA scanner. So just like conventional, you first need to create a system. You'll define this as any one of the trunking protocols that your scanner support. You'll also need to define a group and inside of these groups are where you're going to put the talk groups, the trunk radio IDs, right? So far, nothing's changed. But what separates this from conventional is you also need to put the trunk radio system's frequencies in the system. So whereas before you would put the trunk frequencies into the scan bank, you're now going to create a site under the system or sites under the system and put those frequencies under each site. Also, don't forget to change each site um, band plan or the uh, rebanding tables if you have to do that as well. And again, this is on a per site basis. When I say per site basis also, you can have, now again, remember, let me back up real quick here. The earlier DMA scanners only allowed you to have one site per system. If you needed to scan multiple sites, well, you had to reprogram in that system multiple times. You don't have to do that anymore. You can do the north site, the east site, the west site, the south site, all under a single system. And what your scanner is going to do is it's going to cycle through each site and look for the talk group IDs that you have defined underneath that system in each time, each time it goes through each one of those sites. Okay, Makes it a little bit pretty. So again, how do you toggle these trunk systems off and on by using your scan list? Well, each site is defined a scan list. So you can have the north site on a scan list, the south site on a scan list. Maybe you want to do the east and west together on a single scan list. Or maybe you want to take all four, north, south, east, west, and put them on a scan list. You can just assign them all to the same key. Very easy to do. Okay. So let's put all this together. Let's put the bow on here and wrap this thing up. So you have a conventional system, and if you signed a scan list number to that conventional system, you have a trunk system. You assign the sites in that trunk system to a scan list. Or maybe you have a conventional system and a trunk system, and you've assigned them to the very same scan list. So you remember that thought we put on hold a couple minutes ago when it came to scan lists? Scan lists, again, are what we used to know as banks. Well, now you can tag multiple conventional systems and multiple trunk systems, or multiple trunk sites, sorry, into a single scan list. 
or maybe you have several different trunk systems, you can sign them all to the same list key as well. Remember, you could never do this on the scanners that had a flat, fixed 100 frequencies in 10 banks. You couldn't do that. This is where DMA really shines, and this is why DMA is important to understand. So let's go back to our NYPD example we talked about before, right? I have a conventional system. I've got a citywide group. I've got borough groups, school, transit, parking enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. But NYPD also has talk groups on the 400 megahertz Motorola Type 2 system. They have a couple of sheriff's groups on the 800 Type 2 system. And we may start to see if I haven't looked recently, but you might find some on the brand new 700-800 P25 system that's operated in the city. Now, again, NYPD is conventional for anybody who's scratching their head here. There's some sheriff's talk groups and commissioner, and I, I wrap them all up together when I do my NYPD scanning. Or let's look at it a different way. Where I am with my fire districts here, right, I have got the conventional system with all the battalions and the countywide but I also have to program in my EDAX system because that's it still has fire talk groups assigned to it, even though they're not really used. But there's also the P25 system, and the P25 system has the fire marshal and hazmats on there. And it also has battalion frequencies, again, that aren't really used. But I want to be able to monitor them. So I have my P25 system, the EDAX system, and the 300-plus conventional frequencies all on a single scan list. Now, again, subgrouped in by groups. All right. So I think we've got that figured out here, right? Again, if you're confused or if you need to see a flow chart, you can go to scannerschool.com slash session 65. This flow chart will help you map out what it is you have to program and how you have to put it together again. So everything we talked about, Functions the same way if you're programming a DMA scanner by hand or by computer and using software to get the job done. Now, again, it's much easier to do this over your software because you can do an import from your reference. Now, again, you can do an import from your reference, but it, I don't really like the way it maps out into the subgroups. But again, that's just the way I program my scanners. If, if it's good for you, then go for it. When it comes to programming your scanner via software, you have a couple different options out there. But truthfully, I like the Butel software package. I'm just very used to it. I've been using the Butel software package for, again, I don't really recall how many years it's been. It's got to be, oof, it's got to be well over 16 years uh, thinking back at it. So I like Butel. I'm very comfortable using Butel. It is paid software, but you can get a free trial period on it and see if you like it see if you want to use it if you want to purchase or try out butel software you can find them by going to our resources page at scannerschool.com resources now again if you've got any additional questions if i didn't turn you into an expert at the end of this podcast head over to our facebook community and let me know let me know if i've left you confused because i do have planned a YouTube video on how to go through this as well with some diagrams and some flow charts and all the other stuff. And I want to make sure that when I do that YouTube video that I've gotten everything as tight as I can. So if I've left you confused at all in this podcast, let me know so I can clean it up and get that finally published as a really good uh, follow along 
on YouTube. If you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can do so by going to scannerschool.com slash YouTube. So again, before we wrap up, I would like to thank our continued Patreon supporters. I can't thank you all enough for helping on a continued monthly basis supporting the Scanner School, not only the podcast, but the YouTube channel and everything else that it is that we do. Scott Vauder, Craig Harper, Brian Southworth, Dan James Felling, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, M.T. Bono, Mark Beebe, Raymond Hill, and William Arkand. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for being a supporter, and I definitely appreciate having you here. If you want to help support us on Patreon, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. And we have other tiers with additional benefits if you'd like to pledge a little bit more. So again, at the $5 pledge level, you get the podcast earlier than public release. It goes up from there. And that's up to you. But again, you can help supporters for as little as a dollar a month. If monthly donations don't get you going, then you can also support us via PayPal as a one-time fee or even using our Amazon links uh, or by visiting any one of our affiliate partners. Again, we talked about Butel earlier by going to scannerschool.com support. Don't forget too, you can check out our new Scanner School swag, hats, t-shirts, coffee mugs, Etc. by going to scannerschool.com slash shop and looking for your brand new swag. Again, Scanner School is copyright 2019 by Monitor Long Island, Inc. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything you know about the scanner radio hobby. All links will be on the page for this podcast, scannerschool.com slash session 65. We will catch you all again next week. I have a very great guest coming in next week. And um, this is going to be a little bit of a different podcast, and I'm looking forward to getting this one your way. So, again, if you're a Patreon supporter, you will get this one as done as soon as I'm done editing it. You want to wait till next Tuesday to get it. All right? If that doesn't incentivize you, then I don't know what will. Thanks again, everyone. We'll catch you all again next Tuesday. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and I want to thank you again for listening to Scanner School 73.